you're looking for one of the most beautiful and playable custom acoustics on the planet, look no further than Ed Rice at Toeir Guitars. Ed is a true artist, transforming exotic woods into magnificent, sweet-sounding instruments. Go to toeirguitars.us, that's T-O-I-R-G-U-I-T-A-R-S.us, and contact Ed today. Hey everybody, Brad and I want to say thank you for listening and thank you for the support. Please continue to listen and share this podcast on all platforms that you can. And if you'd like to support us monthly, we're set up now where you can go to anchor.fm slash Recording, hit the support button, 99 cents, $4.99 or $9.99 per month. Any amount would be greatly appreciated. Now back to the podcast. Recording podcast episode one twenty six. What's up, Neil? What up, man? Another day, another hot day, man. Yeah, I was. Uh, it was, it was going to be a tough one. Maybe some espresso. I feel like a million bucks. Yeah. <laughs> I washed the boat today, and it was hot. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, it was a hot day, but it was a good day. Now we're here. We got another great guest. We've got Lonesome Holler. Welcome, guys. Hey, hey thanks hey, for hey. having us. What's up? I'll tell you, before uh, we go around and have you guys introduce yourselves, I see you brought a bottle. What'd you bring us? Um, I just brought some 1792 foolproof. Oh, oh yeah. Full. Let's let's crack that. Ethan. Yeah. Of course. Was that like 120 proof? It's one, yeah, it's 125. That is as legally Dang. as strong as it can be and still be called bourbon. Did you know that? Yep. No, uh-uh, that's not true. Yeah. If it's no. over like 127, you got to call it, I don't know. I've had some over like one, 130. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 133. Yeah, there's bourbons that's in the 130. Elijah Craig's got some good barrel proofs that, yeah. that are up there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they don't let you call it bourbon. <laughs> You're making that up, man. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you. Yes, sir. Yeah, pass that bottle around. Yes. Gosh. While we're passing that around, why don't we start with... Uh, Start with you, Bailey, and you can go, guys can go around and introduce yourselves and tell us what you play in the band. Yeah, yeah. So my name is uh, Bailey Hudson. I play the banjo. Um, banjo. Yeah, yeah. And uh, me and Ethan kind of started it back in the day, but um, uh, but yeah, I play banjo. That's pretty much what I've played with the band since since we've started it. So awesome. All right. My name's Tristan Howard. I play guitar and a little bit of dobro with these guys. I'm Ronnie. Ronnie Sacks. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Pickers already getting this. Oh, boy. Oh, they already uh, try it again here. I'm Ronnie Saxon. I play the upright bass. And yeah, I mean, that's not a whole lot to it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, upright bass. And I'm uh, I'm Ethan Raleigh. I play mandolin and sing some songs. That's about it. All right. Awesome. We, we all you guys sing. are here. Yeah, so we all kind of sing. I was wondering who was sing, uh, the main singers. Before Everybody, we get, huh? yeah. yeah. Before we get going, cheers, fellas. Hey, cheers, 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 cheers you guys. Ooh, oh, man. yeah, you can tell that's foolproof. That's mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. I, think yeah. I think I'm starting to learn the tastes. Oh, yeah, I yeah. really do because I took a really small sip 
think I'm starting to get it, boys. So what do you, what do you mean by taste? Like you, so, you taste like leather wallet and well, almonds? Yes. <laughs> like every time I taste bourbon, I taste bourbon. Okay. You know? yeah. Well, these two are always sitting here like, man, no, you got You just got to taste. You got to drink more of them. You got to just taste different flavors oh, and dis- stuff. I'm like. There's distinct differences. I sure. see. I can't. I yeah. can't. I could never could find it. But I think I'm finally. I think it's not in the big, huge shots. You know what I mean? Like. You got to sip on yeah, it. Yeah, figuring yeah, out yeah, the yeah, notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You got to sip on it. Well, Ronnie, I tell you what, man. I, we've been doing this uh, a couple of years now, and, and it took me a while to get to that point. Well, and there were stages because it started with, you know, we, we he'd bring in some bourbon. I used to, have to go get him ice cubes. I'd have to get ice. I'd be like, dude, go get me some ice. And I'd have to hear the... So I finally just didn't ask. <laughs> or maybe we just, I don't know what happened. Maybe we had somebody in and we just went with it. And uh, I probably said, Come on, man. Come try on, that's right. Drink it. Drink <laughs> it. <laughs> so, um, so now, you know, we drink it neat. And there really is, you, you do learn that there is distinct differences, but it takes you forever of drinking really shitty stuff, <laughs> really good stuff. Yeah, like Old Crow. Old Crow. You know. <laughs> I don't think we've been that low yet on this on the, on no. the podcast. My, we, we treat my ourselves is there. is very simple. I mean, mine's not very like I can <laughs> I can tell sweet versus spicy. Yeah, but I can't. You know, I'm never going to pull out like, like roasted raisins with. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. There's yeah. some there's some really odd flavors of, sometimes of bourbon. You, yeah, yeah, sometimes yeah. you can get like cherry flavors and stuff. Like, oh I, yeah, I've noticed. Oh, yeah, that Woodford Reserve's like, heavy on the cherry. Yeah. yeah, it's funny you say that. I used to work with barrels. You know, not long ago I was working right. with barrels, and we used to get Woodford barrels in, and it would you'd crack them open, cherry smell. Really? Like, yeah. Yeah. It'd, be, it'd yeah. be that yeah. cherry bourbon. Yeah. What are they? Yeah. What are they like? Do they have dry comedy? <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm and it, no, 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 no. They, they, but yeah, working with them barrels was crazy. We would bust open. We were getting barrels to uh, turn them into stuff like table barrels, rain barrels, and uh-huh. stuff like that. But we would crack them barrels open. There'd be all different kinds of like blackberry or. Oh, can you just, imagine using a bourbon barrel for a rain barrel? Ah, uh, that'd, well, that'd be the best drinking water around. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> for a while anyway. The sure. purest anyway. No kidding. <laughs> we we have a a friend of ours, the Bob with the Forgate. That that's what they kind of do. They finish it real weird. And when you get like a sherry cask, ooh, that was pretty sherry <laughs> sherry cask. <laughs> and you get that like wine into bourbon. Then you can really tell because it's got like this dryness to it afterwards. It, there's yeah. all kinds of weird things you can do with these days. So. Oh, yeah, the yeah. finished bourbons. It's yeah, getting the, really popular. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what they do. I mean, it's the expensive, crazy stuff. But I'd say this one's on the spicy side. Would you agree with yeah, me? Yeah, yeah, it yeah. is. Peppery, maybe? I don't know. Allergy cleansing. So it might have pepper. <laughs> I would, I mean, Got some Vicks vapor. Right yeah, right. If anybody would know, I would, bro. <laughs> Where my popper? Where my popper? All right, fellas. So why don't we start off? Why don't you guys, uh, Bailey, you already mentioned it, it started with you and Ethan, but why don't you guys tell us about the origins of Lonesome Holler and where it started and how it got to the four of you sitting here at this table? Yeah. So um, I think it was 2018. Uh, me and Ethan had been picking for a while, and we wanted to do some gigs. And he he played bass at the time for us. Yeah, a bass and uh, I had two other 
relatives fill in on guitar and we had a, a different banjo player at the time. And uh, we played maybe like one or two gigs. It didn't didn't jive. Were you, you called know? Lonesome Holler yeah, at this point? Yeah, okay. yeah, we called it Lonesome Holler and we we probably played two gigs and uh it went over pretty pretty good, but uh I was there for one of them gigs. I thought y'all sounded pretty good. Yeah, I think that was our first gig ever. Yeah. <laughs> but, Were you guys uh, doing covers or yeah, most yeah, all covers. We didn't have any originals. We just played some you know, yeah. bluegrass standards and Dude, I didn't know I could adjust the size of my bass. So, like, I was, like, tall, like as tall as my upright bass. But uh, Tristan, I think, that <laughs> night actually… as tall as the upright yeah, bass. Yeah, I was, um, yeah, I was as tall as my bass, like, awkwardly playing it. Sitting all the way on the floor. On the, yeah. And uh, Tristan actually showed me. He was like, no, nah, man, you can… I was playing the, bass, too, the at the end, time. Out. And uh, he, like, adjusted the height for me. And I was like, holy shit. This is a whole new world. Yeah, I was like, well… <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> so everybody in this band plays the bass, huh? Yeah, yeah <laughs> one point or another. Is that yeah. intimidating, Ronnie? No, no, I'm. I'm he's the best <laughs> one. He's we the best one at the table. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. As I was say, I don't. I don't mean. I'm not that guy to boast, but I can. I feel like but I can hold my own here. Guys, yeah. Huh? Well, no, I would never. No, I'm not. I'm not that guy at all. I'm never. Not that guy. The other no, guy, dude. dude. Yeah, I'm the guy that's like, well, let's try. Let's see what you got. <laughs> <laughs> so where'd the name Lonesome Holler come from? Oh, um, we, well, we had a, a gig booked and we didn't have a name. So I was like, hmm, what's bluegrassy? Uh, <laughs> so we just threw out Lonesome Holler and we stuck with it. And, stuck. Uh, but uh, we, we started in 2018 and we played like two gigs and didn't do anything for, for about a year. And I had knew uh, Ronnie from, from Terrapin Hill. Um, so uh, we, we probably met up around 2020 at one of the festivals and got the jam. And I was like, man, we should, we should probably get back into picking some gigs. And, you know, I knew Ethan would be down to play some mandolin. And I was very eager for the opportunity. (laughs) So, uh, so yeah, we, we got to, uh, scheduling more gigs under, under Lonesome Holler. And, uh, we had a different guitar player before Tristan, but, uh, I think Tristan kind of filled in the gap and, put us where we need to be sound wise here, here recently so does everybody play multiple instruments i mean maybe not necessarily yeah actually uh, our first gig i played mandolin <laughs> and banjo like in between songs like certain songs um but yeah i think we ronnie's a killer ukulele player so no. i've been listening <laughs> to that yeah so yeah i think we all are pretty good multi-instrument other than the bass though that's like all that i even know i don't know I mean, I know percussion, but I don't really consider. I mean, it's not strings, so it's. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. an instrument, but it, it, percussion is pretty easy when you kind of, you know, know how to hit stuff. Yeah, <laughs> Ethan, he's pretty good flat picker too on guitar. He's yes, pretty good. I mean, I've been bad as trying to pick up. I appreciate that. I mean, he, he gets the job done on guitar for sure. I would say, um, playing mandolin has made flat picking a lot easier because I used to just do the finger picking, like Bob Dylan finger picking, but. After playing mandolin for so long, you start to do some of the fiddle tunes on guitar, and you're like, "Well, mm-hmm. you know, this is like kind of the same." It's a bit easier uh, with the double strings on mandolin, though. Did but, you start on guitar, Ethan? I started on technically piano. Um, I was actually I played keyboard for a, a band way back in the day, and um, started going to these festivals and. I saw a band, uh, Rumpke Mountain Boys. Mm-hmm. Right. I saw them playing, and the, I was just like, "Dude, what is?" I was like, "I knew it was a mandolin," but I was like, "What? 
you can play that like like that. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I gotta I gotta figure this out. So I picked it up and just started going from there. Um, I played guitar in between that, but it was a uh, it was like just finger picking, just like Bob Dylan covers and finger picking. You got the bluegrass bug bite, huh? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, Neil got that not too long ago. A year ago? Well, I, 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 no, a couple, a few years ago now, but it's just not even a, but I got it rebitten. (laughs) Redipped in the water. Redipped in the water, man. Yeah, when I was young, I I got heavy into into the glutes, which it was a local band with Steve Cooley, who's, you know, banjo player. It's a, 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 you know, legend. A bunch of guys, Shannon Lawson. And the glutes, I, I don't, most people have never, you guys definitely have probably never heard of them, but I'm telling you, man, they, they were amazing. <laughs> hey. were, so they, we, were they local around they, here? They were local. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were local around here and, and uh, really had a strong, strong following. Once it hits you, it's hard to get it out because I, I don't, I play every genre. I really do. I, I kind of dip my toe in everything, but when I pick up, any instrument, the very first thing I do is a G-run. I can't help it. It's like it just happens. <laughs> Me too. Something about it. First thing I did when I picked up your Martin when I came in here. Yeah. I mean, serious, dude. What, what, you can't help it. Eh? Yeah. It's just in your bones or something. <laughs> it's in your blood if you're around here. Yeah, man. How'd your other guys get into bluegrass? I have a lot of family history with music. Like my great-grandpa was a a pretty renowned fiddle player from where we're from. And my grandma played guitar with him. And they would do gigs together and stuff like that. Huh. And that that always kind of drew me to the music, the roots music or bluegrass or whatever. But other than that, there really wasn't any anything that led me to it. I started going to festivals and just fell in love with the sound. It was like there was something in me that was tuned to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There was a, something preset for me there that just fell in love with that. The changes and, the, you know, the driving sound of bluegrass. But... Now, Tristan, you haven't been with these guys too long, have you? It's been a few months, I think, now. Oh, that's it. So this is fresh, huh? He's a baby, yeah. With, well, us, man, yeah. with us, at least. Yeah. 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 So, me and Ronnie both play in another band, uh, Nectar Valley. They're kind of based out of Louisville, but we started in Owensboro, Kentucky. Uh, we lost our bass player in Nectar Valley, so Ronnie came over, and they lost their guitar player in Lonesome Holler, so I came over. So we're interchangeable in both bands, basically. Oh, one nice. one of those, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Yeah, you we're know. trying to help each other out. That Lonesome way, Lonesome Valley. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you see that like a lot in the like in the music community, oh, yeah, yes. especially the local bands. After all, yeah, man, everybody helps each other out. You know, yeah. we all got to come up together. You know, well, yeah. and there's a lot of changeover, and there's a lot of people uh, that really have it as a focus of. of to make it full time. So, I mean, you know, it's yeah, it one of the only ways to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It requires playing a lot, playing a lot of different groups and versatility. Yep. Yeah. If you're a good drummer in the city, you're in four bands at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, and that's bass a, player. Yeah. That's yeah. what I was going to say. I feel like I tell it is for bass player too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in like bluegrass. Oh, yeah. Bailey, how, how did you get into bluegrass? Uh, well, I, uh, I have an uncle that's knee deep in it. Uh, He's older, so he's kind of like a grandpa to me. But uh, I kind of grew up around that. And uh, I started going to Terrapin Hill in, in high school. And hearing Bluegrass Live is, you know, what did it for me. You can hear it on the radio and, you know, dance to it. Mm-hmm. But when you hear it live and thumping. Yeah. Uh, Feel the bass yeah, It's, it's completely different. So that kind of drew me in. And I think I bought a a banjo my senior year. 
and couldn't do a single thing with it. So I took it back and <laughs> bought a ukulele and started from the bottom. <laughs> hey, the ukes. So, so yeah, I started started with with the ukulele and worked my way up to a guitar, and then finally came full circle with the with the banjo again. And I were you think, teaching yourself? Yeah, yeah, just kind of YouTube lessons here and there. That kind of deal. Thank God for YouTube in this day and age. <laughs> you know, I, uh, that's there's, true. There's something about. I, it might just be live music in general, but with bluegrass music, man, it's it's if you hear it live or you watch somebody do it right or just yeah. get that some a group that is in the groove where you just it takes over mm-hmm. the rhythm of the place and everybody's in tune. I don't know how how you can watch it and not especially as a musician, go, well, I know what I want to try to do now. I'm going to at least, you know, try to get better at flat picking or, you know, learn the banjo. Or It's just, it's infectious, man. It is. And to know that it all, you know, was started around a moonshine still somewhere in, <laughs> in the hills of, you know, that, just to know that's where it come from to, well, now Billy Strings and amongst others is played in London and, mm-hmm. you know, here, yeah. here we are. So, that's yeah, just man. amazing. Some of it comes from Ireland, too. Yeah, true. Yeah. It comes from all over. The banjo originated from Africa. Yeah. So, I mean, this yeah, music, yeah. It's, a, it's a great combination. And they call it bluegrass for a reason. There's a, a heavy influence of blues in it. And yeah. it's just, uh, that's why I love it. It's such a versatile art form. The whole language of music in general, I mean, that just, you kind of summed it up talking about the origin of, you know, the banjo, which is this bluegrass instrumentation these days coming from Africa. And then, Everything lends itself to another thing in in every form of music. So it's just to be able to take a banjo and and play it in, in different genres with different people that don't speak any languages other than music with you. It's just the whole thing's fascinating to me sometimes, and sometimes it just I don't know. I think it's the espresso. No, it's it's some of the magic, man. You're, you're on to something there. It's some of the magic out there. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Music's a language for sure. It really is. Ronnie, I think you're the only one that hasn't shared with us your uh, yeah. what brought you to bluegrass. Uh, kind of like the rest. I mean, outside of being born in it, you know, my my dad's side of the family. I mean, I've got an uncle who that's all he listens to, a hundred percent. Ralph Stanley, Earl Scruggs, Bill Monroe. I mean, I, every bit of it, mm-hmm. you know. And I didn't really get into well. Like these guys have been mentioning Terrapin Hill. Mm-hmm. You know, we all kind of, I met every one of these guys there. And I never really thought, like, thought that there would be a darker side to bluegrass. And then when I entered, when I was introduced to it, it's just, it's like infectious. You know, you can't get out of it. But I've, <laughs> you're stuck. Huh? Yeah. Don't you're stuck. stuck. Yeah. Really like, I don't know. Something about it for me anyway. I just, you know, like I said, I was born into it. It's it's part of where I would come from. And like I said, my family loves it and they would listen to it. So I was just kind of raised on it. Every campfire song ends in... Exactly. (laughs) You know? So ultimately, but as far as like the bass goes... So when I was young, I was given an uh, electric guitar and I was actually... (laughs) I don't know how I ever would have done it, but I was actually had a book by uh, Dimebag Daryl learning how to play electric guitar. Of course, that didn't that didn't go over too well. <laughs> so, eventually, I was like, okay, music is not what I'm good at. I'm just going to go figure out something else. Well, flash forward 10 years, my mother marries a guy 
who's a musician. He's a drummer. I pick up a set of drumsticks and off I went. And I was, I never really went anywhere with it outside of like a little room like this. But with a stereo behind me and a set of headphones and some drumsticks, I was going hard, you know? (laughs) (laughs) How old were you then? Uh, Middle school, high school. So ever been 15, 16, 17, you know, something like that. And uh, they ultimately ended up parting ways. And that was like I was telling y'all earlier, I had a big ass channel, that big mixer I was telling you, you know, and that's actually was his as well. And uh, so, you know, it was nice to get levels. So I was messing around, but long story short. So you started doing some recording? No, okay. not myself. I, well, I could make this conversation last hours. <laughs> so, but, uh, I mean, I have recorded before. I've actually done it myself. I, there was a guy that used to live with me. I called my friend at the time. He was a rap artist. So I used to record him. But, again, he never really went further than SoundCloud and didn't try much more. So I didn't really get to do a whole lot. But yeah, I mean, I would mix myself and go out and drum to songs. You know, I would play Avenged Sevenfold and stuff thereof, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, then, like I said, we all met. I went to Terrapin Hill in 2016. And actually, Ethan had this big upright bass, one of the full-size ones. And rest in peace. But uh, pieces, <laughs> pieces. But uh, Oh, no. I actually, it was the first bass I'd ever thumped around on. And I was like, yep. I've got to get one. And so, like, a few months later, I bought one. And that was the two and a half years ago. I don't know how long I've even been with y'all now. I'm <laughs> so what happened to that bass guitar? Yeah, so that, yeah, that's the one I didn't that know that I could bass. Uh, That was upright bass, right? Yeah, yeah. It's the one I didn't know I could adjust because it, <laughs> it had a golf ball at the bottom of it at the on the end of the end pin. So, mm-hmm. I thought that was all I had. <laughs> but, um… Get a bigger ball. Yeah. <laughs> Move up to yeah. basketball. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Bowling like, ball. Yeah, but what's what's funny though with that thing is like like Ronnie said, I took that thing to like festivals and like would just throw it around and like treat it like shit. But I was um house sitting for um for Bailey actually and I um, the bus. I had it with me there and I left it in the in their bedroom and kind of forgot about it because I wasn't really I was like chilling in their living room the whole time and um it was the, uh, literally the only thing I left there was my upright bass and and, I, and my two year old destroyed it yeah 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 pretty much yeah I, was <laughs> I, did, I didn't know it was back there <laughs> yeah oh wow not <laughs> <laughs> a way to put it <laughs> yeah we get home from a trip and I hear a big kadoosh and uh that's all she wrote. That's yeah, yeah, I was going to say, he's got the rest of the story. <laughs> I've never heard any of these stories. So, <laughs> well, how just did a, a two-year-old do that? He, uh, it was laying on the ground. I think he uh, tried to pick it up or something <laughs> and dropped it. <laughs> and it broke. After I, all, man. I think it just taken it took a, a two-year-old to tear it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it just taken just a lot of beatings. <laughs> and that was I, a straw. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think it was just ready. <laughs> I'm done with you. Well, let's listen to a Lonesome Holler song. Let's uh, tell us about Darn It. Well, uh, you know, to be just short and honest, it's a, it's actually a breakup song. But but um, it's just kind of about, you know, um, finishing that chapter in your life and uh, you have no choice but to but to move on. Things are a little weird at first. You might need a little help, but you got it. That's... That's pretty much it. It was just, um, it was actually one of the easiest songs I've ever written just because 
I was um, instead of making up like a, a narrative, like making up a story to for a song, I was just telling my own story. So that was really um, really easy. It came super naturally and super quick, and they really loved it. I and they're like, they're like, we should we should play that. It's one of my favorites. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> so then we ended up recording it, and yeah. <laughs> and you sing this one? Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah, we'll check it out. And then when we come back, we'll hear about when you guys started getting into writing. Coffee, corn liquor from a still One keeps me going in the morning One for the love to kill Going down that lonesome road Still nothing's feeling right Hiding out in smoky bars And staying out of sight May need a little guidance To get me through this night the Stars in my sky They don't shine so bright Going down that lonesome road I'm going down the line Ain't no use in turning back To a home that wasn't mine Now my heart is sinking low As I slowly lose my mind Ain't got a choice now But to leave it all behind now but to leave it all behind yeah yeah dig it man all right yeah thank you where'd you guys record that one oh was it sneak attack yeah, yeah. In, Lex- yeah, yeah. in lexington are you guys from lexington uh, uh, me and Ethan are from Frankfurt. Well, technically, I'm from Lexington, but I'm, I'm out of, now I'm in Frankfurt. Okay. Uh, but I grew up in Lexington. I was born and raised in Cynthiana. It's a little town between Cincinnati and Lexington and all that. It's, it's you know, along a dirt path. So you guys are kind of spread out. 
<laughs> yeah. If it hadn't been for that good old Terrapin, we would, I, I wouldn't know any of them. <laughs> Tristan, you said you're uh, from Owensboro, right? Yeah, I, I actually live in Maceo, Kentucky now. It's just right outside of Owensboro. It's like the outskirts of Owensboro, but Owensboro is where I grew up. Grew up going to like the Romp Festival down there, and uh, they got the International Bluegrass Museum oh, up yeah. there, and oh, yeah. just uh, and I mean, I got a, like Andy Brasher's family, um, Marty Stewart, um, his uh, cousin is down there and they have like a recording studio down there. There, There's just, I won't go down a a rabbit hole, but there's just a bunch (laughs) of bluegrass stuff down there. Oh yeah. And uh, that also kind of led me to bluegrass as well. But so (laughs) practices are hard to get together. Yeah. What what do you, do y'all do? Barely. (laughs) (laughs) We win as much as we can make it happen. Yeah. Oh man. That'd (laughs) be rough. I like practice. Well, and it's it, it works yeah. out it works out pretty well because where he and I play in two groups, like I work in Georgetown, so I can just come up to Frankfurt and practice, you know, like whenever they decide these two they want to practice. But where like he has the other group, Nectar Valley, they all they have a weekly practice thing, you know. Yeah. So yeah. he'll come up here on a Friday, stay till Sunday, which is normally when we practice on Sunday, and he'll practice with us and head back to <laughs> Three yeah. hour, three hour drive, four hour drive. Work, yeah. work all week and then work all weekend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> drive all weekend. <laughs> this is it is all still fresh though. Yeah, and we're working the kings out. Yeah, still. Tristan's a, a two month member. Yeah, it's, so Ooh, when did you guys yeah, uh, think about this, dude? Two months in, five dollars gas the whole time. <laughs> gas comes back, you're gonna be like, this this, this group's a lot easier to be in now. Yeah, yeah with two <laughs> two bands too, and then yeah. I do stuff with my dad's band too. Like we we'll go down to Mississippi and play the juke joints around there. And oh, yeah, he's he plays blues, but uh, that's a lot of traveling too down there. It's usually about a six hour, seven hour drive down to Mississippi, and then he'll play Stevie Ray's or. Uh, Buddy Guys Legends up in Chicago. He just plays all the blues what's, bars. Uh, what's the name of his group? Uh, Muddy Earl is his name. Muddy Earl. <laughs> his name's Chester Earl, but yeah. he, he goes by different things. For a while, he went by Muddy Gut. Muddy Gut. <laughs> yeah. And then, <laughs> but That's great. Muddy Gut. He's uh, very rooted in like Hill Country Blues, R.L. Burnside and Junior Kimbrough kind of style stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, that's, I got a lot of my start playing music, did, traveling with him and learning how to set up everything and learning how to play guitar, watching him and stuff like that. That's but, awesome. Yeah. He he would hold down chords and stuff and I'd play bottleneck slide with him. <laughs> and he'd have like piano players or horns players, just anybody he could get when we go play. But this man on a dough, bro. Now let me tell you something. Yeah, look slide <laughs> slide guitar is my my that's, number one. That's love. what you were playing when I met you. Yeah. I mean you play bass, but Yeah. Play a little upright bass or electric bass. I did that. Started doing that in church. But slide guitar was always my my favorite thing to do. Didn't I you start it. out as Nectar Valley's bass player? Yeah, I was their bass player, and then Cole came along and started playing bass, and I moved over to Dobro. And Michael Malley was playing guitar. Right, right. Yeah. And then so Mike he's, left. He's I went over to guitar when Mike left and put the Dobro down because we had to have the, the guitar. I've you know known I mean? you all for a while. I just it just that just <laughs> put it into perspective how long I've known Nectar Valley. I yeah. I can remember the original members. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, I'm going down a rabbit hole now. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, all right. Right. <laughs> that's all right. We dig it. Cheers, boys. So Bailey, you guys started out Lonesome Holler playing uh covers. When did you and how did you get into writing? Where did that how did that work out? 
Um, well, what was it, 2020 when we really started playing a lot of gigs, we we realized we might as well just write our own stuff if we're, if we're going to, you know, do the thing. So, uh, we're all new to songwriting yeah, from, from what I can tell, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, I think it's, it's going pretty good as, as far as the writing goes. Mm-hmm. Just gotta, I gotta learn to write about everything and that's, you know, I, I just, I don't, I got to. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Well, like just, I mean, uh, be vulnerable to write about well, I mean, you, you you can make a song out of anything, any situation, good, bad, happy, you know, whatever it may be. I mean, I, I tell you what, too, especially like, you know, if you're true, truly new songwriter, something that something that you, you may end up finding is you, you write a certain way better than other certain ways. You might write in first per- person perspective or like, you know, Ethan was talking about how naturally that that song that we listened to came out and how easy it was to write because it, it was true instead of thinking, you know, I need to write about this thing or this storyline or create this instead yeah, of writing. Yeah, I can, I can just just write a write a song about anything, I feel like. Yeah. And, and, but and trying to write a song about myself would probably be harder, so. Yeah, see. Which is probably the opposite of how it... Ethan would write a better song, maybe, you know, but which is cool because it gives, especially if everybody's writing, it was part of the, part of what's cool about like, you know, the Beatles and McCartney and Harrison and all of them writing is it was all so different. They all wrote so different, but they still created this amazing music. Just, you know, with you guys, if you can all write and you all write from different perspectives, it'll be interesting to see as you guys continue to do that, how where it leads. Yeah, yeah, yeah the different styles definitely make it whole. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, yeah. Sure. and it's already it's already there too because like um, I've noticed a lot of Bailey's songs are super like traditional uh, bluegrass type style songs, whereas yours are like not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, and I love it more yeah. like jam, I guess. So uh, even in the. Even in the actual progression, music m- music progression more so as the lyrics or both? Uh, yeah, yeah, both. Okay. Um, yeah. So once somebody somebody uh, has a new song, how does that usually come to the band and how you guys take it to a complete product for Lonesome Holler? Pretty much whoever wrote it just starts jamming it and, hey, I wrote this, you know, this is a new original. Y'all you follow along or sink or swim. Yeah, we won't unveil it to anybody yet but you know here in the room sink or swim (laughs) y'all just both wrote new songs the other day and sent it to our group chat yeah yeah, we'll we'll send it in a group chat or introduce it at a a rehearsal or and you know throw out ideas which is how I learn a lot easier honestly that's why I just thought of that yeah it can help just to sit and listen for a little bit and hear exactly what the solo the person who wrote it wants Mm -hmm. you know what I mean because that practice that's you know, huge. You're so inclined to just jump right in once they're holding a G chord or something, but yep. you know what I mean? But yep. they'll send us some videos and that really helps me, especially being so far from them. Well. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, we'll send like, like whenever we write a song or even if it's just like the start of a song, like we'll record it in like a video of it and send it. Be like, oh, hey, yeah, I'm working on this song. And then kind of we'll respond to each other. Be like, oh, yeah, well, you know, we, we'll, we should play that. Um, you know, we'll practice that. And stuff the, like that. Like Ronnie's Boot Hill, we've probably played that in different keys, oh, different yeah. progressions. Oh, we yeah. just different paces. Yeah, oh, we'll yeah. just mess yeah, with them. Yeah, we switch them up all the time. 
it's got like a bluegrass progression and or we could switch it up, make it funky. We just that darn it song I play on guitar, I do a, a like finger picking. Mm. Like a really different it's 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 way different. It's like a lot slower and it's like more folky. Mm-hmm. Well, Tristan made a great point. You know, when you how important it is to listen to the original idea. Like, hey, I got this thing. Um and it's awesome to know, you know, especially with the separation, you've got time. You're going to, if you're going to be making a drive, you got time to, you know, listen to the recording to get an idea of what you got and get, I think the big key is, like you said, if you're there, you're going to want to start playing and to be able to just really take in what the original idea is before you jump all over it. That That's, that's smart. I don't think. It is. But it's also a two-sided coin because you also want to. You know, you want to you want to be open and hear the original, but you also want to have that trust to be able to critique and offer suggestions and improvements and build. Well, yeah, for I, sure. yes, yes. But what I the, I think a big part of the reason that I think that that part is important is because, like, when I put when I put something, say I put something together and send it out to the band, it's because I want them to hey here's here's what I wrote. Think of your part because I don't want to write their parts. Yeah, yeah. That's so I, so it's more or less get some ideas because yeah. if I write your part, it's going to sound like what I have. I want to hear if you make it different than what what I've got going on right yeah. now because you can expand. You know, we did that yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, we recorded a little thing that we're working on for his uncle who wrote a song, and you know, it start it went four or five different places before we kind of figured out what it was. Mm-hmm. And it was complete interpretation, but you know, the very first thing we did was listen to what his uncle sent us, and to go, yeah, where, where, what are we on? Where, where's our basis, and where are we going to go from here? And just trial and error, man. Yeah, yeah, yep. it's a lot of what it is, really. Yeah, trial and yeah. error for sure. And then it generally gets to like what feels good. I mean, how do y'all go? This thing's done. Is it just like there's nothing left to, to put into it. There's nothing more to say. It just feels like it's done. How, how does it? I feel so like, little, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of just free flow, free flow and improvisation that goes into a lot of it. I mean, just thinking back on the recordings right. that we just did, I don't really remember my exact parts, like my solos or, you know, it was going there. Yeah, I don't think we've got down. there yet. We've, yeah, we've basically just experimented with so I guess like a lot of our stuff will be different every time yeah. I guess in yeah. a way a little, yeah yeah, a little bit and especially because we're not able to rehearse like as much as we want to mm-hmm. it's one of those things where we trust each other as musicians to show up and put down that musicianship I guess where it's you know what I mean presentable mm-hmm. when we go to play festivals and stuff the last festival we played it I hadn't practiced with them in two weeks. Yeah, that was a rehearsal, Three, basically. Yeah, yeah <laughs> and we I thought we knocked it out of the park. It was a really good oh, yeah. set. And yeah. That's when it feels really great. When Everybody in the audience thought so, too. I mean, but all the time. we all trust each other as musicians to kind of put that time in individually to where you can show up to anything and just kind of fill whatever song out and make it. It's, all, it's about the music. You just want to make whatever sound as best as you can. Sound good as best as you can. Well, I'll but, tell you what, man. If uh, If nothing else, Tristan, if, if you didn't have their trust before that gig and y'all nailed it, then you have it after that gig. Because it goes, all right, he obviously practiced. He's been in the band two months and we just nailed this gig after not practicing for a couple weeks. So, you know, there's there's a lot to be said about doing your work on your own. So Might be worth something after all, huh? <laughs> well, see, that, 
Uh, that's actually what's really cool about Tristan, though, which helped us a lot with getting the new guitar player. Is just like we he he almost like didn't need to practice. Like he would just like be like, "All right, what, what's the what are the chords? What key?" And he'd be like, "All right, got it," and just like just take off, and then it would you know just be fun. You're way too humble. <laughs> you're, you're, you're way too kind. <laughs> so, I don't notice his mess ups as much as he does. Yeah. I don't think. No, I mean, people that have been flat picking for a long time hear it for sure. I'm very new to flat picking. I'm very new to bluegrass guitar. Uh, My roots are mainly blues and like ragtime and blues and fingerstyle guitar. I'm I'm still getting comfortable with, you know, a flat pick and and Mm -hmm. hitting those certain speeds. And But it's something I work on, you know, as much as I can and something I try to get better at every day, but. I got a. There's people that smoke me for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I've got another. Yeah, that's another, how I feel too. I had another group that I played in uh, that was actually a blues before I got with Lonesome Holler. And uh, there's a buddy, a mutual friend of all of ours that plays Jake, in it, Jake Davis. Yeah. And I want to hear, I still want to hear you two go hard just he, for He hours. just played like, in, the, in the international blues contest down on Memphis. In Bill Street. Nice. Yeah. And this is a guy we also met at Terrapin. It was yeah, just out Jake. Yeah, he's he's Jake. down there with Zeno. Yeah. Just, yeah he just kind of came out of the woods at Terrapin and was playing like a dobro. And I heard that for the first time. I'm like, this guy's going somewhere with the yeah, blues, man. you know? Well, and since, he is. since we're mentioning Jake, he's honestly what started this whole band. This yeah. guy, he's not even here. But, um, <laughs> but hey, he Jake. was. Um, that was y'all's first bluegrass project. Yeah. My, yeah, my first um, string band, bluegrass band, was with that, that guy, um, that. My friend Jake, he's a he's well, yeah. Tristan just said he's all blues now, but um, blues enthusiast, yeah. But I started doing um, you know, that was my first like real bluegrass band, the Grease, and, Greasy String Band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's um, we were trying to find a banjo player, and um, we actually met Bailey, God, because I met Bailey through Jake. I met him through you. Yeah, was or a- you through him. Um. So yeah, so he's a. Um, yeah, if it weren't for him. <laughs> shout out. Yeah, got to shout him out. <laughs> shout out. Miss you, brother. Jake Davis. Hell Jake guy. Davis. If you, li- Jake. if you listen to this, I miss you, brother. We got a jam. <laughs> so did he end up at the in Memphis uh, by winning uh, Kentuckiana Blue yeah. Society? Yeah, thing? he was okay. with the uh, Trayvon King band, which yeah. is TD. Or no, Trayvon Young. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is TD Young's son's band. And they took it all the way to Memphis. And I think they've. You know, I, I think, think they, they placed did, really well. Yeah, I think they did like fun, like really, really well out of like a lot of groups. And uh, T.D. Young, that's another guy that's worth mentioning. He's got yes. like basically a juke joint in Lexington. In Lexington. Yeah. Down and like in the heart of Lexington. A lot of guys He's study really under good. him as far as guitar. You yeah. know what I mean? He's really, really, really good. He actually was the one. I didn't know anything whatsoever about blues outside of, you know, Stevie Ray Vaughan, which... Texas Flood was about as far as that went when I was younger. But then I was introduced to TD through Jake. And wow, I, I, I just was, I was like, I've never known blues could well go this hard. You know, I didn't, I just did not understand. And then I finally went with him down there and got to play on TD's stage. It's, it, it was, I mean, it was a whole experience and it was really nice. And he's a really, really good guy for letting me even do that. He didn't know me from Adam. So it was really nice of him going deep on the blues talk but it's, <laughs> I feel it's worth mentioning Every, everywhere I go I try to squirrels <laughs> I try to spat a little bit about the blues we we uh, with Nectar Valley we played at the uh, Bill Monroe uh, Bluegrass Festival like 56 oh, nice. 
in Bean Blossom, and we got to take a tour of everything there and got to see like Dolly Parton's dress and Johnny Cash's <sighs> suit and guitar and, yeah. and sign our names up on the wall with all the famous people who have played no on the kidding. stage. It's but cool. uh, anyway, we did a workshop there, and I basically made the whole workshop <laughs> blue. Like I was like. I had my resonator guitar up there. I got an old national resonator. Oh, man. And was playing bottleneck slide and just kind of teaching about the blues and stuff. And At a bluegrass festival. At a bluegrass <laughs> festival. But yeah. they loved it. And yeah, they I, did. It's always worth mentioning, you know, just no one forgets where any of the music came from. Everybody always knows, you know, blues is the roots, the rest is the fruits. But as far as Ooh. you don't want to, <laughs> I, I feel bad going around playing like, Mississippi Fred McDowell songs or something and not spatting off about the blues and saying, hey, this is where everything, you know, I I picked everything up from. So I always try to do that. But that's why we keep going on these rants about the blues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. Hey, you guys mentioned uh, Boot Hill. Let's listen to another one. Tell us about Boot Hill. Well, Boot Hill was a story, pretty much. It was written about a graveyard in Tombstone, Arizona, off, based off a movie called Tombstone. Oh, what a <laughs> great movie. <laughs> yeah, and Here lies Lester Moore. Right? Pretty much. <laughs> One shot from 44. They, they no mention, less, no more. Sorry. <laughs> they mention it in the movie. They mention the graveyard as referencing it as Boot Hill. And I was like, huh, Boot Hill. I wonder what I could do with that. And so I just sat down and started writing. And there it is. There it is. Boot Hill. Let's check it out. There ain't no daisy. single face and the sun burns the ground hot as hell 250 is the count unless you're bad enough to doubt the rumors said a boot hill boot hill boot hill many men settle scores for a thrill boot hill
Yeah. Tombstone, man. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, that's a great movie. Yeah, man. <laughs> so you guys talked about your last uh, that last festival or whatever you played, and you killed it. I'm just wondering if you guys have anything that comes to mind when you think about your nightmare gig. <laughs> oh, Lord. Well... Well, we've had plenty of those. Yeah. <laughs> Which one? Let's, don't you have to kind of go through that to get to the good ones? <laughs> yes, you do. You got to do that to know what's good. I, right. I think most of the gigs that, that we've played in the past couple of months, that, well, most gigs I've played with these guys, I think, have been pretty good. You know, like, I mean, yeah. we've played, how many festivals have we played now? Two or three in the past few months? Uh, like, yeah. With, yeah, I think, this, yeah, I think so. About three. We did, uh, the Roslow Fest at Terrapin Hill, and then we did what was that? I'm drawing a blank. Don't ask me. Was that I'm, one in Illinois? Uh, good people, good times. Oh yeah, or good vibes, Oh, good, good vibes, tribes. good tribes. Oh, yeah, yeah. totally yeah, different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Close. <laughs> yeah, I was close. It's but, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we've we've played a handful of festivals already, and a handful of smaller shows, bar gigs, or coffee shops, stuff like that. And I think everything's gone smoothly. You know what I mean? And our Live stuff is a lot different than our recorded stuff. We use a lot of effects and a lot of, yeah, you know, phasing, and we get very delays. experimental live, and it's usually yeah. goes over well with whatever crowd we're playing for. Sometimes we're putting more of a traditional setting, and we'll we'll dial it back. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's what we're really we really love to do. That is just push the boundaries of the music and kind of yeah, because we aren't traditional. We're not <laughs> we're not traditional bluegrass and newgrass. I'd say we're we're new grass or jam grass Very or progressive, progressive yeah, bluegrass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what to really call us. If I've listen, heard progressive a lot. The recordings sound fairly uh, traditional, but even still, the vocals and stuff isn't necessarily all traditional. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, we're not doing three part harmonies necessarily, and the real high tenor voice and stuff like that that you would normally associate with traditional bluegrass, but. We really love just getting out there and playing live gigs and just seeing what's going to happen. You know what I mean? Showing up some field in Indiana or something and, you know, there's 200 people in front of you. You don't know what's going to happen. And we, we got our pedal boards and stuff down in front of us and it's just a, a palette and we're just painting. You know what I mean? It's pretty yeah. much. Yeah, that's cool. So our listeners that want to follow you guys a little more closely, uh, where can they find you? Where can they find you on the socials? Is there a website? Is there music well, out there? What we, we got? Yeah, we stay active on Instagram and, and Facebook mostly. Uh, we we just now got a YouTube um, due to our recording. So we're trying to get more into YouTube, uh, get some more uploads. But yeah, social media is... Facebook. Is, is it Instagram. just Lonesome Holler yeah, on just, Instagram? Yeah, just Lonesome Holler on, on Instagram, Lonesome Holler on Facebook. Uh, that's that's where you can find most yeah, of our so shows. And, so we had a guy in here, we had George Stearman, not too long ago, had a song named Lonesome, Lonesome Holler. Holler. You remember? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure did. <laughs> well, well, wow. You sure did. About that. Well, I tell you what yeah, you will be able to do is check Lonesome Holler out on one, one shot, shot, one, one mic, mic, one, one song, song. Yeah, on YouTube we're gonna, coming up here real soon. We're going to break down right here and then, and then record some videos. But before we do that, we're going to go out with uh, Granny Had a Moonshine Steel. Tell us about that one. Sweet. Yeah, I think I wrote that one, what, about a year ago? Yeah, uh, that sounds about right. That was I, when it was introduced. And, yeah. yeah <laughs> uh, I just sat down wanting to write a bluegrass song. And, you know, I like moonshine and whiskey. and yeah. Uh, Cheers! It, it fit the part, <laughs> so that's that's what we uh, brought to the table. 
Well, I can't say I like moonshine. I've drank it, but <laughs> oh, I, it's like snake oil to me. I, I can't get enough of it. That's why I got to stay away from it. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, man. It's got it's it's led me to a lot of mornings that I woke up with nothing on and like, <laughs> what happened? Where am I at? One of my old bandmates so. had access to some real, true Eastern Kentucky moonshine, mm. and he would bring it to me. Uh, but I don't have that anymore. <laughs> I don't. You don't remember them days too well, do you? <laughs> don't need that anymore. Yeah, that's right. what you meant. There's not a not a lot of consistency with moonshine. Some can actually taste okay, and others feel like you're drinking turpentine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no doubt. Well, man, we appreciate you guys talking with us. Yeah, so, thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah, we appreciate yeah. you all. Here we go. Granny had a moonshine steal. Well, Granny had a moonshine steal. She ran the copper straight through the hills. She had flavors and whiskey barrels, too. She knew the ways of good old Mountain Dew She rode with the law from time to time She'd pay him off with a big old case of shine It really was the least that she could do Cause Granny liked to grow the reefer too Well now Granny had a moonshine still She ran the copper straight through the hills She had flavors and whiskey barrels too Burst through the hills She had flavors and whiskey barrels too 